Welcome to the Unity of the Valley Spiritual Center podcast featuring Reverend Dahlia Adams. You may visit us online at unityvacaville.org or you may visit us in person at 350 North Orchard Avenue in Vacaville, California. And now, here is Reverend Dahlia Adams. Welcome again to Unity of the Valley Spiritual Center. My name is Reverend Dahlia Adams, and I am so honored to be with you today. We've been talking about the mystery, the mystery that is the truth of our being, the mystery that is the truth of what God is. And we've been talking also about how looking at the mystery brings up question after question after question as we go deeper into understanding and knowing truth. Recently, we've been focusing on the power that is within us, the power that is of God that moves through us, and how that can be true at the same time we can be immersed in this human experience and all the challenges that it offers. There is a tremendous power that, that is of our mind. We have the power to create our experience, to create ourselves through the power of our mind. But that in and of itself is another mystery. What is the mind? And how is it that our minds tap into the mind of God and express that divine presence? We've been talking recently about the power of thinking, of thought. And again, that becomes a series of questions. What is thinking? And how do we wrap words around knowing what that is? And one of the things that we said is a way of thinking is the way we believe. Our beliefs our thoughts. They fall into this big umbrella of experiences. So today I want to look at what that means. What it means to believe. What it means to say, I believe. In fact, pause a moment right now. Close your eyes and say those words, I believe. And then listen for what comes up. What is it that comes up for you? I believe. And just notice. And you might notice throughout the week what it is that you believe, what comes up for you when you say those words. The dictionaries online give many different definitions for the word belief. Some of the synonyms or some of the words that are close in meaning is belief is an assumption. Oftentimes we don't notice what we're believing because we're unconsciously going with an assumption. Or it can be a conclusion based on evidence throughout our lives or just evidence today or experiences we've had. Our belief can be a position that we hold. And sometimes we get stuck in that position even when there's evidence that says, no, 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 that's not the way it is. 
A belief can be our way of understanding a situation, a circumstance. Credence, it's what we give validity to. If we believe something, we will talk and act as if it's true. And the last one I like a lot, the last one on this list, is mindset. Our beliefs or that which I believe creates my mindset as I move through any situation, any circumstance and conversations and my responses, my mindset has a tremendous influence on how I show up. Now those words, assumption, conclusion, position, understanding, credence, mindset are just a small subset of the words that were offered on the online dictionary as far as words that have similar meanings, but it's a jumping off point. Our co-founder, Charles Fillmore, wrote that a belief is an inner acceptance of an idea as true. A belief is closely related to faith. It's not exactly the same thing, but they can be, in some circumstances, interchanged or exchanged. In fact, there are three words or three concepts that are related but yet meaningfully different. To believe, to have faith, and to know. Let's say my son is going off to a new venture. He's applying for a job. And I can honestly say I believe he is more than qualified for this job. And I believe that he would be good at a job like that. That is a belief. It's closely related, maybe, to my having faith that despite the competition, despite what's being said in this world of ours, that landing a job like that is very rare and difficult, I can have faith that despite these appearances, that despite these challenges, the job that he wants is his, that there is a power within him that he brings to the process of applying, interviewing, and so forth, that makes that job his own. So that's an experience of faith. Close to my belief that he is qualified and competent and capable. However, if I were thinking about what I feel for my son, I would never say, I believe that I love him. Nor would I say I have faith that I love him. I would simply be able to say I love him because I know that. There is no need to believe. There's no need to have faith. I simply know that that is true. Can you feel the differences of degrees, although they're Similar ideas. I believe that the power of God 
is acting in this world, I see evidence of an intelligence that is greater than anything I can imagine at work, creating the complexities, the intricacies, the inner relationships of this world. So I believe that God must exist because I don't see how any of this could have happened simply by random chance. So I believe that there is a power that is the source of all of this, whether I call this power God or spirit or father or the mystery, if you will. But I can also in my life have faith in this power and presence that it can carry me through difficult situations, that is that presence and power is within me and around me as a source of strength, as a source of understanding. And I have faith that I can rely on this power and presence that I call God, which is very different from those experiences when I'm in deep meditation and I experience that presence of God within me and I know I know the presence of God. I don't have to find evidence for this power and presence. I don't have to imagine relying on it. I simply know that God is, that wherever I am, God is. So closely related ideas, sometimes we interchange them. But today I want to focus on the first one, what it means to believe and what power we have through our beliefs, how we create our life experiences, how we create ourselves through what we believe. Anthony DeMello was a Catholic priest born, raised, and lived in India. He was an author a speaker, an inspirational speaker. And he wrote that there is only one cause of unhappiness, the false beliefs you have, beliefs so widespread, so commonly held, that it never occurs to you to question them. Our co-founder, Charles Fillmore, talked about race consciousness, and it's the consciousness of this human experience. It's the shared consciousness of the people of our culture. And the race consciousness is filled, filled with beliefs that we don't even notice that we're holding because we've been holding those beliefs so long and everyone around us or so many people around us hold the same beliefs. They seem to be just a given. And some of these beliefs serve us well and others limit us, others hold us down. So it's good to begin noticing some of the things that we hold, that we believe, and sometimes we don't capture our beliefs directly. We find clues to what we are believing 
by some of the thoughts we hold in mind, by some of the things that we say. For example, if only I had more money, I would be so much happier because then I could travel, I could have a nicer home, a better car, I could work fewer hours, have more time to enjoy. If only I had more money, I would be happier. I've heard this, I've said it in my own head at times, and it's absolutely not true most of the time. Research has consistently, consistently, consistently showed that when there is a need for food and shelter, then increased resources make a difference and make us happy or happier. But once food and shelter are taken care of, increased money, increased wealth is absolutely not related to increased happiness. Every single study out there shows that. There might be momentary thrills or experiences, but as far as people being happier, money is not the reason. Or in our culture, in our race consciousness, it's common to think, when I get a promotion, I will be happier and I'll, I will do better in life. Or when I find the right person to be with, to love, then I will be happier, then I will be doing better. When I graduate, when I get this award, when I get the certificate, when I retire, on and on and on, there's this distant thing that I need to have in order to capture the joy, the happiness, the satisfaction that I'm wanting. These are beliefs that are related to our race consciousness, and we're not even aware most of the time that we're claiming these beliefs, that we're thinking through these beliefs. So one of the things that we can do as we're delving into this mystery and looking at the question of who am I and what is God and what does that mean in my life, we pay attention to our beliefs. We pay attention to the things we say to ourselves to get a sense of what those beliefs are. The beliefs in both of these cases is that right now, in this moment, there is not enough. There is some lack that is acting as an obstacle to my joy, to my happiness. Most of the time, that belief is not true. So it's good to be aware of if we're giving time and energy and attention to that belief of there is not enough, or maybe there is something that is not possible, not doable, not achievable. When these beliefs are held unconsciously, they still shape our life experience. They limit our joy. They limit our happiness. They limit our possibilities. 
another example of beliefs that we hold as a result of our immersion in this human experience, as a result of the things that our culture teaches us to believe and to respond to. I think most people have heard of placebos. They're, they're embedded in our medical research, the, the research on drugs and medications. And placebos in most medical research are the, the effects or the, the effects. The placebos are typically disregarded in research. Research is created in a way that the effect of the placebo can be ignored. And the placebo is the healing that is exhibited by someone that is not due to the medication, the surgery, the treatment that is provided. And the researchers work very hard to eliminate the placebo effect because it's a big effect. 30 to 40% of the improvement that is seen in these research studies is due to placebo. Instead of saying, oh wow, this is amazing that we have placebos that can do this and let's see if we can tap into them better. The research is designed to eliminate whatever that meaning might be in that effect to see what it is the drug is doing or the surgery or whatever the procedure is. But the way placebos work is when people are given a medication or a treatment, it is their belief that this medication works or it is their belief in their doctor or their medical provider that that person is competent and knows what he or she is doing and that trust in the medication, the procedure, the doctor, that faith, that belief in the procedure creates a healing effect. And it's done all the time, all the time. There are stories and, you know, if we had weeks and weeks, we could talk about the stories of how people have had miraculous healing because of the placebo effect and what surrounded that and what led up to it. But there's another thing called the nocebo effect. And it's the opposite. It's the effect of when a person is told or given the information that there is no possibility of healing or they're given a prognosis that they will be um, diminishing in their health over the next few months. And even when the practitioner, the doctor, the nurse, the provider makes a mistake in giving that information, oftentimes the person's health declines anyway because they believe the truth of what they were told. Again, we could spend a day sharing stories of, of examples of how that's happened. And then probably the most powerful of the race consciousness beliefs that we end up holding, this came from Mary Morrissey. She's a prosperity teacher, uh, a minister. 
And she had a life experience in which, as a young girl, as a, a teenager, she was probably about 18, 19, she was given a very poor prognosis. Her one kidney was failing, and her good kidney wasn't going to last that much longer. She was facing surgery to have the failing kidney, either all or part of it, removed. And she was believing everything the doctors were telling her because that's what we do. That's what our culture teaches us to do. Ultimately, the short version is, of the story is this many, many years later, she wasn't supposed to have very many years to live and she's lived a very long, long productive, happy life, prosperous life. And she said, part of what we need to do is to question sometimes the words and the pronouncements of the minor deities. And she says, that's the, the real meaning of MD. Not that we need to disregard it, but not to believe blindly. Because what she learned was to believe something else other than what the minor deities in her life were telling her. And that was a big part, a central part of her healing. So changing beliefs can have a huge, huge impact on our health. I'm not suggesting to avoid medicine, not at all. It's just to an include an awareness of what it is we believe as we go through a healing process, because those beliefs can make a difference either in helping our healing or preventing it. Ron Roth was a wonderful Catholic teacher, spiritual teacher. He wrote books. He was an author too. At Unity, we've read a couple of his books. He wrote that beliefs are the foundation, the building blocks for creating your life. And that's what we've been saying so far. So we're aligned with Ron Roth. Another thing that, that it's worth getting a sense of, paying attention to, noticing are core beliefs. And this is from psychology, core beliefs are the beliefs that we hold almost unconsciously, but they're the central ideas through which we know ourselves. They're the central ideas that we hold about ourselves. It's the lens through which we see every situation. When I worked as a psychologist, oftentimes when people were having ongoing challenges, psychological issues, um, maybe depression, maybe anxiety, maybe a sense of helplessness, oftentimes what we would work on is to discover if there was a core belief that they kept falling back on without realizing it. Oftentimes those core beliefs are with us much of our lives. Common core beliefs when I was working as a psychologist were, 
I am worthless. I am sickly. I am weak. I don't belong. I'm not safe. If someone grew up in, in childhood and they were not safe, it can be difficult for that person as an adult to feel safe even when all of the, to feel unsafe, even when all the evidence says they are safe. So these core beliefs, and there's a long list of them. This is just an example. And so when a challenge comes up in a relationship at work, and if the core belief is, I am worthless, the experience of the challenge, instead of being something out there that needs a solution or needs a different approach, it becomes a feeling of deep woundedness within because that core belief kicks in and all the pain associated becomes our experience. But core beliefs don't have to be negative. And I've shared this before. We have a little girl here at Unity of the Valley, and when she was just beginning to talk, her father told me that she would, every morning when she was, before she brushed her teeth, would look in the mirror and she would say, I am a beautiful child of God. So I am a beautiful child of God can be a core belief. Or I am capable, I am smart, I can handle things. There are core beliefs that are a source of strength and ability and success. Again, we need to become aware of core beliefs and the ones that limit us, the ones that hurt us, the ones that hold us back, can be replaced with a more positive and more true core belief. I once worked with a little boy who was really struggling. He was a very smart young boy, but he, he was struggling with depression, anxiety. Doctors wanted to put him on medication. His parents didn't want that. And we worked, we looked at what was it that he was telling himself. And we worked with that. It was hard work for an eight-year-old boy. But he came into my office one day and he said, I know what you're trying to teach me. And he was smiling, he was energetic, he was in a completely different place. And I said, what is it? And he said, what I've been learning, what you've been teaching me is that when I tell myself the truth, I'll be okay. Because in our work, we had been looking at his negative core beliefs and pointing out that they just were not true. So his insight with that big smile on his face is, I need to learn to tell myself the truth. So becoming aware of our core beliefs and changing the painful ones to positive ones almost always is changing from a belief that is not true to a belief that is much more true. So this work sometimes requires getting help, you know, going to a counselor or maybe a close friend, but it's worth working at it. It's worth changing those beliefs. 
I love this story. I don't know who Rebecca Goodrich is. I don't know much about her, but this is on the internet with her name attached. And it's the story of a princess who once carefully kissed a porcupine just to be kind. And this porcupine began to think of himself as a prince. He then dressed like a prince, behaved like a prince, and announced himself to be a prince. The world then saw him as a prince. And so a porcupine prince he was. And it's the same way if we can kiss ourselves, if we can extend some love toward ourselves, if we can see the light that shines within us, if we can see the truth that shines through us, if we can see the amazing person that each of us is, then we can become a prince in our own life. We don't have to be porcupines, but we can become a prince. There's research that's been done since the 1960s, and the results are pretty consistent, that the beliefs that are held by teachers about their students have an influence, an impact on the success on the well-being of the students that they teach. And many of the studies were, are conducted in such a way that teachers are given files with information about the children. And in the files are included test results. And if IQ tests were given, the IQs. And in the classroom, all of the children are actually equally matched in abilities and IQ and other capacities. But in the files that are given to the teachers, half of the students, their files say that they're very bright and successful in school. And the other half have files that say that they're struggling and they do not have the learning capacity of the other half. And sure enough, just this information given to the teachers has a huge impact on the success or failure of the students involved. I think they stopped doing this research this way just because of the negative impact it can hold. But this is true. If we see someone else as struggling, as incompetent, are, and if we have an influence on them, if we're important in their lives, then the impact on that person, whether a child or an adult, can change how they know themselves, how they move through their life, how they perform at tasks. On the other hand, when we see the light in someone, if we see them as a beautiful child of God, if we see them as smart and beautiful, then they will become that which we see. Dennis Waitley was um, motivational. He's still around. I believe he is. He, he would be in his 90s now. But he's known for um, a motivational program that he developed called The Psychology of Winning. 
And he said, if you believe you can, you probably can. If you believe you won't, you most assuredly won't. So, I think Edison had a similar quote about whether you think you can or whether you believe you can or believe you can't, you're right. So. And so to bring this to a conclusion, ultimately, the most important thing is to be aware of our beliefs and change them when it makes sense to change them. In the Gospel of Mark, chapter 9, verses 22 to 23, Jesus was approached by a man who brought his son and the son was possessed by a demon. He had convulsions, or the father believed he was possessed by a demon, but he would have convulsions. And this was making the, the child's life, the family's life miserable. And the man said to Jesus, but if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus' response said, if you can, you're putting that condition, you're asking if it's possible, you're asking if I can. And he said the important thing is to believe. If you can, everything is possible to one who believes. So we don't begin changing a circumstance with a doubt with that question of, if I can, I will. Just know that there is a pathway. There is a pathway to that joy, that love, that health, that healing, that prosperity that you're seeking. And so it is. We hope you enjoyed today's message. If you would like to support this podcast, you may do so at unityvacaville.org.